Don't underestimate the ability of your child. Give your child that opportunity and you'd be surprised. Welcome to Miles for Change. I'm your host, Jen DeSalvo, coaching you through the touching stories of people who understand what it feels like to be a part of something bigger. In today's episode, that is a community and a couple of different parts of the community running a marathon for charity and raising money for awareness and for good and being a part of the Special Olympics Chicago community. The athletes, the families, and all of the people who put their blood, sweat, and tears into making these events happen for those individuals. So get ready, get set. These miles for change are for Special Olympics Chicago and Special Children's Charities. My sister um, was a Special Olympics athlete growing up. And like when she was first born, doctors told my parents that she would probably never walk. She would probably never talk. And it was a really, really hard thing to hear when you have this new baby. So it took lots of like physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy, which is like actually the major I'm going into now. And she kind of exceeded all expectations. And then in like middle school is when she first started doing Special Olympics and did it into high school. She even participated in like her high school sports and did swimming. And I remember going to like the summer games for um, Special Olympics and just seeing her participate in meeting like all the friends she made and how just like determined and just the amount of joy they had for what they were doing, which was so, so cool. So whenever I decided to run a marathon and I saw that Special Olympics was one of the like charities to do it for us, there was no doubt in my mind that's what I wanted to do. This is Nicole Richmond. She's towing the line of the 2022 Chicago Marathon for Special Olympics Chicago. And she's doing it for her big sister. Melanie was three years older than Nicole, and she was also a great role model. Growing up, what was that relationship like uh, between you and her? It was crazy because she was my older sister. So it's like you do look up to an older sister, but it was an interesting dynamic because we were just like the best of friends, too. And sometimes you did have to take on that role of being a little bit of like the caregiver, like just like watching out for her and like having so much like love for her that it did have a little bit of like, Oh, like I want to protect her, but she also is my older sister. So it was a really, really cool dynamic and I would never have changed it for the world. Nicole mentioned moments ago that when her sister was born, the doctors told her parents that Melanie would most likely not walk or talk, but that didn't happen. Like they said it would. When did she start defying the odds and beating the odds and getting involved in sport? I don't know. She was pretty young. It was like in elementary school. She finally started being able to like do a lot more activities. And then it was more just like playing with us and things. And then she started doing like sports for her school and things as well. As a little kid, what were you thinking when you saw your sister doing sports? What did it bring out in you? It was really, really cool. And just to see... I think I never really knew this story of like that she was never going to be able to walk. I didn't hear that until I was much older. So as a little kid, seeing her do all these things, I was like really, really proud of her and impressed. And I loved like going to watch and things. But it wasn't until I was a little bit older that I realized like the impact and how 
much of a miracle it was that she was able to do those things. You grew up not even thinking about the differences or anything like that. It was um, just looking up to your big sister who was doing really awesome things. Mm-hmm. How long was your family involved in, uh, you know, being a part of the Special Olympics and going to the events? And what was that like for your entire family? It was really, really cool. Um, we loved going to her events and watching her. I'd say we were involved from, it was like early middle school, maybe she was like fifth grade or so. And then she passed away in 2013 and that was her like sophomore year of high school. It was really unexpected and there was really no like sign beforehand or anything. So that was a major, major surprise. What? were you able to take from that experience to grab strength and move forward after you lost your sister? I think it definitely took a lot of faith and a lot of using what she taught us in her life. Like she was an extremely determined and joyful person, just like always giving hugs, always smiling, had the best laugh. So like taking what she taught us in her life was kind of the best way to move on and like find strength in that situation and like realizing you can't change it but you can always make the best of what did happen. And much of what Nicole does now has a bit of her sister's memory in every part of it. I'm a student at Northwestern right now and I'm getting my master's for speech therapy. Since high school whenever you kind of like go through like oh like what do I want to do when I grow up I kind of have to start deciding. I knew I wanted to do like one of the therapies, like OTPT speech, and I did some shadowing and speech just really stuck out to me and I've loved it ever since I've never wanted to change. So I've always said I wanted to work with kids, but recently I've had some stroke patients, some like geriatric patients that I've loved. So I'm kind of thinking I want to do kind of like inpatient rehab with stroke patients. It must be so rewarding to give them back something that they had their entire lives. Yes. And I think that's the aspect that I love so much about it. It can be kind of heavy stuff too with progressive diseases and things like that. When you have kind of a trajectory of not necessarily getting better and you have to kind of coach along the way and coach their caregivers and family members with that too. Now, moving on to you, going through your middle school and high school career and stuff, like, were you athletic? What kind of activities did you do growing up? Yeah, I loved soccer. That was probably my biggest sport, but I also did track. Um, In middle school, I did cross country. So I did some running in there, but definitely soccer was like my number one. So running was your punishment is what you're saying for... (laughs) Kind of. They make you run laps in order to, you know, fix something that wasn't the best or whatever on the field. But now you're grown up, you're an adult and uh, you're deciding to run. Do you typically run before you decided to take on the marathon? Have you done races, smaller distances before? Yes. Yeah. So I used to just like run for fun beginning of college and then my last year of college last year, I did a half marathon for the first time. I've done two half marathons, taking on a marathon now. We'll see how that goes. 
training for those halves, what were some of the differences that you noticed that you were going through both physically and mentally, especially mentally going from a shorter therapeutic, I'm running because I enjoy this to like, okay, I'm going to like put my body on the line and push myself. What were some of the changes you saw? Definitely changes in like being disciplined and pretty resilient of like, okay, it's early in the morning. I said I was going to run this many miles today. Like, am I going to do it? I guess I will. Okay. Like kind of that determination of like having to stick with it. But then also you kind of start to get like proud of yourself or like you realize that you can like keep showing up for yourself again and again. And that was a really cool experience. It's definitely hard to wake up early in the morning to hit those runs. But what was your motivation to get out there and get it done? Um, I love breakfast and like coffee. So normally my motivation was like afterward, you get to have like a nice shower, a good breakfast, have your coffee. Exactly. And you can eat like an extra 1300 calories worth of breakfast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like really why I do the ultra marathoning is so I can eat as I run. Cause I like doing, it, <laughs> doing both those things. So now you decided to take on a marathon. Why? <laughs> that's a great question. Why double the length? <laughs> Um, it's kind of always been a bucket list thing. Like I said, I was going to do at some point and I'm starting to realize that there's just no better time than now to do the things that you really want to do. And I guess that is something kind of my sister taught me as well is taking that opportunity and like life is short. Like I want to be able to do it while I still can. I get that. I get that so much. I feel like that's why I'm always sacking miles. Because one day there's a possibility that I won't be able to do it. I know that's like morbid to think of, but if we're we're able to do it and raise funds and, and that's the thing, you're raising funds for a special Olympics. So tell me a little bit about this. Is this the first time that you've taken on the challenge of, of bringing in money to an organization or have you done that before? So in high school and in college, I did, have you heard of the Rally Children's Hospital or just like the Children's Miracle Network? Yes. Yeah. So I did like the dance marathon in high okay. school and then again in college as well. So not totally new to raising money for an organization. So you kept dancing for like hours and hours? <laughs> dancing, playing games, like teaching a line dance, things like that. Oh, neat. I've mostly done like training and previously by myself and I kind of like running by myself. It's like a therapeutic thing. As like my distance gets longer, I might want other people on my side doing it too. Here's where the question comes in. What do you like about being that lone wolf runner? I think I like that you're like only in charge of yourself. Like you can stop if you need to. You can like go get water if you need to. But like you can go more based off just how you feel. And so it's like a lot more like you can listen to your body and figure out what you need. And also the pace, the pace part. Like I get kind of frustrated when someone can run faster than me because I try and keep up and then I tire myself out too much. Yes. Yes. Or if they want to talk or they they're like asking you questions oh, as they're running no. faster than you. And it's like, OK, you get one or the other. I'm either going to run fast with you or I'm going to answer your questions. Which one do you want? Exactly. Exactly. What does it mean to your family that you're running in your sister's memory? I think it's a pretty big deal. Both my parents kind of like called me after and after I said that I was doing it and we're just 
pretty, pretty proud of it. And my mom actually came to my half marathon this weekend. And I love hearing her say, just like, I'm really proud of you for doing this. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. One more question. What was a trait that your sister had that you know you exude on a daily basis? I've heard positivity a lot. A lot of people say that I'm one of the most positive people they know. And I would always say that my sister Melanie was the most positive person I know and always had the best outlook in life. I'm pretty glad that's something that I'm able to carry on. I'm Mary Slowing, Executive Director, Special Olympics Chicago slash Special Children's Charities. Special Olympics was born here in Chicago in 1968. Um, Soldier Field hosted the first games and um, our Illinois Supreme Court Justice Ann Burke um, was instrumental in uh, getting them started here. She contacted Minish Shriver. She worked at the Park District at the time. And so after the games in 1968, some businessmen got together in 1969 and decided to form our organization, Special Children's Charities, as the fundraising arm to provide support for the Special Olympics Games. Since then, we have grown and have become major fundraisers, especially for the Chicago Park District's uh, athletic programs for intellectually disabled Chicagoans. And since the pandemic hit, we have even um, expanded our programming to provide not only athletic events, but virtual classes and um, field trips. We do our own can TV television show that is completely produced by athletes. Um, we are expanding our programming to include classes with Second City. We hope to be doing them with Hubbard Street Dance. Just a lot of life enriching programs for Special Olympic Chicago was focused specifically on the city geographically, but they reach every demographic. Mary says the opening of the games at Soldier Field included a torch run, a talent show, and all of the parks marched there. Oh, my favorite part of the role is seeing the athletes enjoy the programs that we provide. That's the, the best part of the whole job. Um, that and the families. The parents are so appreciative. The whole family just is so supportive of the athletes and they come out and they enjoy the programs. A lot of times, um, the Chicago Park District has, over the last year or two, put together these family activities that we support where, you know, families of four can go fishing or bowling or archery or golf. And it's just great. This is Eileen Ganan. She is the Special Olympics Administrator for the Chicago Park District. Now, long ago, she started as a coach, but for the past seven years or so, she's been on the admin side. We kind of oversee all of the events that happen in Chicago. You know, we unique, Chicago is definitely unique as far as the partnerships that we have uh, between CPS and the Chicago Park District, uh, Special Olympics Illinois, and Special Olympics Chicago, Special Children's Charities. Um, we work together, so a lot of the events, the competitions, 
um, we work as a team, but as the, for the Chicago Park District, um, especially coming off of COVID, we really had to think outside of the box for those few years. And we developed a lot of family programming. Um, we did family fishing, family archery, family kayaking. We started a rowing program. Um, all of these different things that we could do during COVID because we had the families bring the athletes out and they did it as a family unit. So we were able to do that social distancing when that was going strong and all that stuff. So now that COVID is somewhat um, going away, we had so much success with those programs that we've continued those. COVID was tough for our guys. But Eileen says they needed to get the athletes back engaged. Many were still sidelined with all of the precautions that everyone was taking moving into a world where COVID was still running rampant. We initiated these intramural training programs for both the schools um, that compete or want to be involved, as well as the park district locations. Mm -hmm. And we started these in September and we've done three. We did three sessions this year. Each session had about 1,400 kids coming on a weekly basis to train for the different sports that we hosted. So it was super incredible to see these guys, one, just back at it in person. They were so ready. The coaches were so ready. And now today I'm coming home from a, a softball tournament. So I got to see these guys and, you know, the aftermath of what the intramural tra training gave to them. And the teams were so organized. The coaches just, you, you could see that they were ready. They were ready for the competition. They were ready to compete. They were the athletes. You could you could tell the difference that they've they've had a chance to practice more in a kind of an organized setting um, thanks to some of these programs that we were able to offer so it was you know definitely a, a good addition the ability for some of these athletes just to pick up skills um it's it's awesome i mean it's kind of the same sense as far as it, with just general athleticism i mean you can pick out the guys that you know they're athletes whether regardless of you know, their, their cognitive or intellectual level, they are athletes and sports is what drives them and sports is what motivates them and they want to do well, they want to compete. And then we have our athletes that, you know, the social socialization aspect is, is a little more important to them. The sports is, is a part of it for sure and the athletics kind of gets them there, but they want to be there, they want to support their friends, they want to be a part of a team and they want to have fun. So we, we really see kind of the whole spectrum of, of athletes as far as the competitive competitiveness goes. A lot of these athletes will do anywhere from 13 to 17 different sports. And oh, yeah. if you're a high school athlete and you play baseball, a lot of times they won't let you even touch another sport. You know, watch your arm, shield your arm, stuff like that. So tell me a little bit about how they're really able to train and, and compete and still have the time to get everything done with all of those sports. That's so much. Yeah, so one thing to mention is not only are the athletes playing the 13 to 17 sports, the coaches are coaching 13 to 17 sports. Wow. So our Chicago Park District coaches, our, our CPS coaches, our agency coaches have, have definitely, they are the jack of all trades. They have, if they didn't know it coming into it, they've learned sports that they probably weren't, you know, never thought that they'd be doing. Um, so kudos to all of our coaches that work with our athletes. But yeah, the athletes themselves, a lot of the seasons kind of overlap. Um, so they're, you know, a lot of our guys do attend some type of, program whether it be with their school or their park you know they're they're with their their age their programs five days a week mm -hmm. special olympics is a huge part of these athletes lives. sports and recreation is, is a major piece of um of their of their daily lives so 
you know, they might have basketball practice on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but they might have, you know, powerlifting practice on Wednesday and flight football practice another day. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is season based. I mean, we have, you know, the fall sports, the winter sports, the spring sports and the summer sports. Um, so they kind of align their training with the seasons that they have or with the competition that's upcoming. Um, these intramurals that we've added have given them more opportunities to train with their team against other teams. So I think um, different from other, you know, other sports or other sporting um, organizations, our guys, they play, they practice with each other a lot. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the competitions, our regional competition, they have like a basketball regional competition. So a lot of the times, you know, that's it. It's they, they practice a lot and then they play their two games of the competition and that's kind of their basketball season. So we're hoping with these added intramurals and training opportunities, they're getting more of that real kind of season feel for the sports that they play. Yeah. Um, these guys bowl. I mean, most of these guys bowl year round. So they go with their teams, um, especially the park district locations. They bowl on a weekly basis. So they either meet right at the bowling alley um, or they travel together as a team to a bowling alley and they practice that weekly. So there's some, and swimming is kind of the same way powerlifting. Most of them have a day designated specifically for those kind of individual sports that require that unique training um, or special facility to do it. Is a lot of this also integrated into like their daily school um, curriculum, a lot of the sports and athletic part of their daily learning? Definitely. So, um, I mean, the Chicago Public Schools have been have been really generous as far as allowing these athletes. They, they, I think they recognize how important and what the takeaway is for these athletes with their participation in our event. Uh, all of our competitions during the school year for those athletes are during the day, during the school day. So Special Olympics Chicago, CPS helps to bus um, athletes to the competitions during the day. Um, so everything takes place when we can actually access these athletes. So, you know, a lot of them are involved through their schools. You mentioned COVID and, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody's staying in. And and prior to COVID, we all kind of fell into our lives, especially parents have their role. They need to work. They need to provide and all that kind of stuff. And then kind of reconnecting, I would feel like with the, the programs that you guys implemented for families, what's some of the response that you've gotten from the families that have been able to go out and do these activities with their children? I think the response from the parents and really getting more of the families involved mm-hmm. was such a huge piece for us. I mean, again, especially in the role that I'm in right now with the parks as administrator, we don't always, we're doing more of the event stuff. So we don't always get those connections with the families like I had when I was a coach. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're a coach, you're communicating daily with these guys. They're definitely an extension of your family. A lot of times you spend more time with them than your actual family. So, um, when you're more on my side, more as an event planner, you, you see them come and go, you know the kids to wave to them, they know you to wave to you, but you don't get to know them as well. And I think with bringing the families in and really making it a family program, um, we got to know so many more of the families. Oh, I want to know about your marathon experience. Do you have more time? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I've, I've run two marathons, one I was in college and one I was when I was 19 years old and when I was 29 years old. So um, 19 years yeah, old. So, Who runs a marathon at 19? Just <laughs> FYI, that's impressive. 
So that one, yeah, and it's funny because I, I feel like I trained a lot. So the night when I was 19 and then 29, I didn't train as much. And I had a way better run mm-hmm. on the, uh, the the second one. But um, yeah, so the second one I trained, it was the first year that Special Olympics Chicago uh, hosted a team. Or the, yeah, hosted a team. So um, I ran it for the Special Olympics Chicago. And actually my brother-in-law, Morgan, ran it uh for the team as well so that was awesome my sister maureen has run probably like 10 to 12 marathons for special olympics chicago and my brother mike actually ran one with an athlete with a special olympics athlete um a couple years ago so we've got a lot under our belt in our family being like so involved in this organization and now being the one that sets up a lot of the programming sets up a lot of the events Mm -hmm. i can honestly say that the money's raised for our marathon team goes directly to the kids um goes directly to our athletes goes directly to programs that benefit our athletes so for me it's like a it's a it's an easy sell to try to sell our marathon team because i i see what we're able to do with the funds raised so it's it's so important i think that if you look at other organizations around you know the city around even the nation as far as special olympics goes um we're we're killing it in chicago with the opportunities that we're able to give to our athletes um and and the marathon team is is a way that we're able to do that so a huge thanks to all everyone that runs a marathon for any charity but of course you know my eyes my applause my special applause goes to the ones that do it for our team but um yeah i mean so so keeping that in mind the motivation was there uh you know the training obviously is the tough part especially over the summer but kept me motivated um at the time i lived right by the lake so it was really nice yep kind of ran the lakefront path every day so easy Uh, now i'm now looking at the lakefront path i'm like oh my god i ran from there all the way up by you know irving park it's it's crazy because i couldn't i probably couldn't even ride my bike that far now but it's it's not easy running the marathons are not easy but uh it's it's a commitment but it was great i mean i think that uh again i was a coach at the time so i i ran it specifically for my team and fundraised for the team that i coached and i was able to kind of do it for do it for them and and they arranged for the for the entire team to come out and cheer me along the uh cheer me along the route which was awesome i feel like that's all we're ever looking for is to have somebody else that's that accepting and including us and it's probably a huge reason why a lot of us run the marathon because of that supportive like community but like to have it every day um in your school and in your extracurriculars that's beautiful yeah it's it's nice every dollar we raise goes to these athletes it provides um you know transportation and meals and medals and everything for these athletes to participate in all of our programs so when we have lower fundraising um because of the pandemic it affects the athletes and in our programs i'm emily smith a development director the motivation those special olympics athletes eileen mentioned cheering runners along the course right near the end, hanging out at a firehouse with the CFD on Michigan Avenue. When you're at 25 miles and you are just feeling, you know, tired, defeated, you're almost to the finish line. When you run past us and you see all of these Special Olympic athletes cheering you on, I think they just get that boost of energy of, you know, this is why I'm doing it. They're right there um, cheering the runner on and it just gives them that, you know, motivation to finish. Thank you.
it's important because our community is the most deserving of any for any types of programs with these resources that can be provided. And our donors and our runners and our fungers should all be so proud of themselves for contributing to the lives of these wonderful, important people, all of which are Chicagoans. If we didn't have these programs, what would these athletes be doing? I think one thing that you know struck me was that if we didn't have these programs to pay for transportation for all these athletes to get to and from these competitions, they wouldn't be able to even get to these competitions. That's, you know, a huge thing is that we provide them meals, we provide transportation, we... Uniforms. Uniforms. All these go into them even being able to participate. Linda. My heavens. I love Linda. Eileen connected us We sat down, and I told her the premise of what this audio series is about. But before that, she had agreed to meet with me with very little information, and she put her trust fully into what I was doing. Though she did say that she had some concerns, and the reason was truly noble. I'm honored to be here to talk about Special Olympics and what it's done for my daughter. But I kept thinking, well, everybody has a story. My story, yes, it's different and it's, it is, uh, well, it's Stephanie's story too, but Mm -hmm. I thought, why is my story more important than anybody else's? And it's not, everybody's is important, but what I look at, because I know like the 30 kids in her group, Mm -hmm. which, so you have all these, you know, families who are involved together and we've become, you know, I mean, like a pretty close-knit group of parents who support each other. And I just feel like it's this big, beautiful quilt of, of athletes. And it's not just about the athletics. It's certainly not at our park. I mean, it is about life skills and learning how to speak up for yourself and just getting um, more comfortable with who you are. But Linda did clear things up. Stephanie is very much an athlete. Get this. She does soccer and softball and volleyball and horseback riding and bocce and bowling. It is about the athletics, but it's about those life skills and teaching her not just to take, take, but to give back to the community. Which Stephanie does. She is actually a volunteer with with the kids who are in therapy at horseback riding. So she's a sidewalker and she helps them play the games during their therapeutic sessions. And I just watch her and have seen her grow. It's wonderful. So it's not just the athlete. It's the skills and it's a lifestyle. And it's her whole person, not just, you know, can she bowl or can she run fast? It's it's about her as a person. It all started when Stephanie was about 12 years old. Steph was in the Chicago Public Schools in there, you know, in this program for kids with disabilities. And I was just looking for something for her to do. We had just gotten a computer. So I actually typed in sports and I 
went through this list of like things and I'm like archery no basketball no she can't do that <laughs> so I was going through a, an alphabetical list of things came up to H with horseback riding I'm like yeah we could try that well needless to say Chicago doesn't really have too many places to ride horses and I'm like why did I pick this of all things but but we stuck with it we um we go out to Morton Grove that's where we initially went um found a great teacher who she's still with today um Peggy and it just blossomed from there. So once she had a couple years of riding under her belt, they started the Special Olympics program. The people there, which many of whom are also volunteers, mm-hmm. um, and they do have some therapists there also. But um, we said, let's let's do this Special Olympics thing. So it started with the horseback riding, and then uh, then we discovered the Chicago Park District um, just by word of mouth. Because, it, you know, like I said, it was always us searching for something for her to do. So, yeah, yeah, it, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's been, it's been fun. It's been a journey. Stephanie, do you remember the first time that you went up to meet the horses? Doc. Doc was one of my first horses that I actually rode. And I just, it felt natural to me. Did it? Being around horses and making kids feel well, I wasn't old enough to be a volunteer then. You had to be about 13 to be actually in the arena helping, but I was just about having fun. These therapy horses are very gentle and sweet, and they're, they're I mean, they, they put have, up with a lot. Mm-hmm. They can actually feel when the, when the rider is not positioned right, they can feel it. The horses can? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, so you have that partnership. So she did get comfortable quickly. It took me like three years to get near the horse. I am not kidding. I'm like, <laughs> I, I feel you with that. It's, it's a big animal. Massive and majestic. <laughs> yeah. Special Olympics Fall Games is always going to be in Rockford because it's, it's a facility for horseback riding and volleyball. Horseback riding, to get to state, you have to compete in different in shows. But for me... I just, it comes natural for me to ride and compete. That's neat. And so you've been doing And getting it. gold medals too. <laughs> getting gold medals too. Well, I am surprised she brought some silver and bronze with her today. <laughs> I wish to hang out with animals, take animals out of the spot and let kids come up and pet them. And I engage the kids with petting for many animals in my house. Guinea pigs, rabbits, and snakes, which I make people not afraid of them by petting them, showing them that you're not afraid of petting animals. Yeah. What other animals? <laughs> Especially with snakes. Yeah. How, how are you able to get people comfortable around a snake? What's something you say to them? They're afraid of us more than we're afraid of them. Yes. I think that might be about I, everything in life. <laughs> my favorite memory is of Having a Madagascar hissing cockroach right in my hand. Oh. <laughs> okay, so what can they do? Because I don't know what what the harmful thing that they could do. Do they? They just hiss. Okay, they don't yeah. bite or they explode like into a, a bunch of little cockroaches. I know, right? <laughs> and that was it. Us. Yeah. Animals. 
Steph's passion does not just lie in athletics and the sports that she participates in for the Special Olympics. She loves animals, being the petting zoo caretaker at Brookfield Zoo and walking next to the horses and the kids who are riding horseback. She also works at a veterinary office. I greet uh, clients. I welcome them in. And I just make sure that the room is clean. And I clean up after everything. And I also have a cat that's there, too. Mm. (laughs) Let's just say the cat found us. Earlier, I went through some of the athletics that Steph participates in. But when I asked her what sport she plays in year-round... She looked over at Linda and said, She's going to be very amazed about the list. Well, tell her the list. I do bocce, bowling, skiing, horseback riding, track and field, softball, and soccer too. Floor hockey? Oh, yeah. Floor Floor hockey. (laughs) (laughs) It's a reminder. I know. She has a great coach, though, at McQueen. We're in Chicago for crying out loud. There is not a hill or mountain around here. Like, do you see it? Cricket Hill by Montrose or on Northerly Island? Like, it's actually. <laughs> well, for ski school, you have to go to Lumont. And then oh, when you get place, you get to go. You just go two and a half hours to Chestnut Mountain Resort, which is in Iowa, which is in Galena, Illinois. Yeah, by the river. <laughs> you got me thinking that, like, her two of her favorite sports like aren't even in Chicago. <laughs> and we could work out the horseback riding thing, but I don't think we could work out a ski thing in Chicago. Yeah, right. Montrose, the big hill, or whatever. There you go. Yep. I've never been skiing. Tell me about it. It is super fun. <laughs> when we compete in qualifying for winter games, it is cold temperatures. We usually go out in the morning, depending if the coaches will, they know us. They know what we can do in weather-wise. They look out for us. How long have you been doing skiing, then? I don't know how long. Years, right? For coffee. A few years, maybe, because my coach told me his stuff. He wanted to do skiing. I said, sure. <laughs> she was open to anything, but at least eight years, I would imagine. You're a volunteer, though, and, like, you help little kids when it comes to horses and the zoo. What does it mean to you to be able to do that? How would you feel if you didn't do it? I'd be very sad. Yeah. Yeah. Because how does it make you feel to be able to do it? Excited and happy. What do you most look forward to doing every day when you wake up? Hmm. I mean, I look forward to getting the first cup of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. I never asked her that. I think that's a great question to think about. Going for softball in September. (laughs) Oh, she gets to go on an away trip, so she's really excited about that. Oh, where to? (laughs) Springfield, Illinois, where they have the softball tournament for us. Yeah. What do you do there then? It's an overnight trip, which we pack all of our, we just pack our stuff that we get as a list, and then we get on a very cool bus that takes us four hours to Springfield to compete on Saturday, and I am directly behind second base to catch any ball, any yeah. baseballs that go that way. <laughs> Good. Nice. <laughs> Full stop to all of this because in January 2020 Steph was diagnosed with breast cancer 
and it came as a huge shock to her family. There were no indications that would lead them to believe that there was anything wrong. But the medical team, well, they got right on it. Within days, within days, yeah, we just went all out and just is because you wanted gone. Mm -hmm. And so it was like we dropped everything and focused on that, like everything, like nothing else became important, but just getting her better. So, um, and she is better. It was not an event that Steph wanted to take a look back and stare at. So instead, we talked about something that she was very proud of. You don't like talking about this? When we don't have to talk about it, because I want to talk about the good memories that, yes, you got to replace a year later, skiing down a mountain. It was super fun, because there were actually mountains with actual snow. Not like you have here. It was fast, but it was nice, beautiful temperatures for skiing in Seattle because it was 40 degrees nice and beautiful in Seattle than in Chicago. Wow. Yeah, because it was really cold in the girls' area. Yeah. So what was the outcome of your events at? I placed third in Seattle. Yeah. So you beat a bunch of people <laughs> who live by mountains. How did that make you feel? Good and, and excited. <laughs> the day that I got the news that I was going to Seattle because mom got an email from Eileen asking would Steph be interested in going to Seattle? I was like, yes, please, mom. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I kept on saying yes. <laughs> We left Thursday morning, super early. We came, it took about four hours to get to Seattle from here. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> not bad, on an airplane. We stayed, we had landed, we picked up our skis, and then we just went to the hotel, and then went to, it's hard to pronounce that, so... Snoqualmie? Oh, Snoqualmie. 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 We skied the moment we got there, and we did not get back until later to our hotel. That's how long we skied. We skied Thursday, Friday, compete on Saturday, and then come home later on at 4 and 3 in the morning. We had to be at the airport to get back home. <laughs> Do you want to do that again? Yes. <laughs> Would you yes. do that like every day of your life if you could? <laughs> yeah. Build this woman a mountain <laughs> on the lake. Those mountains, nothing compared Yeah. It's something to be really, really proud of to be able to go there and and do that. What were some of the challenges that you guys faced when the staff was young before you found fun things to do? Oh, I shouldn't even admit, but I used to take her out of school all the time because I just was overwhelmed by the special uh, education classroom sometimes. Mm -hmm. I, 
it it was a struggle for me not to accept that she had disabilities, but just to see what she had to go through on a day-to-day basis, it, it was hard for me. So, you know, I would t- sneak her out of school and take her. I'll, I'll never forget, we, like, were the third people in line to see uh, at the Field Museum when the Sioux exhibit opened. You know, I mean, I did crazy things like that with her. And it was just a struggle to to put her in that classroom, you know, and and not be able to peek through the windows all day long. I just wanted, I guess, to keep that bubble around her. And I felt when I was dropping her off at school, I lost that that bubble. But um, I guess you get, like anything else, you get used to it, and then you adapt, and you encounter wonderful teachers, mentors along the way who you can trust your children to and let them get their wings which Steph certainly did. The whole thing is bigger, something bigger than ourselves. Special Olympics is bigger than you, you know, bigger than Stephanie. How has it completely changed everything about your life, your family? It just gave us a lot more focus on what Steph's opportunities would be out there. And also what what I was pleasantly surprised about is there's really no age limit. So she can do this for as long as she has the interest, which also makes me feel good that she'll have something to do mm-hmm. for a very long time. And I mean, and we get involved as much as we can. We do some volunteer opportunities and you know, we also, you know, they sell the rubber duckies while our family buys the rubber duckies too. So we're, we're out there, you know, supporting as much as we can, but it's just been a really lovely thing that has been a value added part of our life. So it, and I've seen her grow throughout this whole Special Olympics experience. And that concludes this Special Olympic Chicago episode of Miles for Change. Special thanks to all of our guests, Mary Slowick and Emily Smith with Special Olympic Chicago and Special Children's Charities, Eileen Ganan of the Chicago Park District, runner and sister Nicole Richmond, Alderman Matt O'Shea for all of these wonderful connections, our producers Keith Conrad and Tony Lozano, music composer Meg Mills, and of course, Mom Linda and athlete Stephanie Padilla. Thank you for listening. Grab more information and Nicole's fundraising link on milesforchangepodcast.com. Don't forget to share. I'm Jen DeSalvo. See you next time.